super chill sesame street vibes greetings and salutations and welcome to hacker slash if you're joining us again welcome back good to see you if this is your first time listening welcome to the party we are a horror movie review podcast dedicated to telling you whether a movie is a hack a total joke a waste of time or a slash Totally killer, pun intended. We believe horror is for everyone, and as such, we're rating these movies with the perspective we've gained from our varying walks of life and the flavors of fear we fancy most. My name is Chris, and I'm your friendly neighborhood slasher enthusiast. This week, I'm joined by the superfly space guy, Mac. Hola, muchachos. The gore lover, Alexis. Hey, everyone. And the cowardly creeper, Ryan. Hiya. We've got another old versus new episode for you this week, folks, this time breaking down an 80s serial killer slasher and comparing it to its remake. Before we get started, though, we do have some follow-up about another old versus new comparison we did recently. Yeah, so we threw a poll up on Twitter about The Hills Have Eyes to see if our listeners preferred the 1977 version or the 2006 version. And 76% of you aligned with the rest of us and like 2006 better. And 24% of our listeners preferred the original, which it, I think is insane. Something's wrong with the rest of you. To be clear, I also like the original. I also think something's wrong with you. So we have a bit of an Instagram comment from Troy about these movies. And he says, at the time, Wes Craven had a knack for the shocking. Last House on the Left had chest carving and gut fondling before we were even ready for it, which is totally true. And he said, like the original Texas Chainsaw, there's a new depth of depravity angle that nobody had done to death yet. So it was all visceral and exploitative, which I totally agree. I think... These are totally exploit films. And then one of our patrons, Daniel, said, if I had to pick one over the other, I would pick the remake. It's that kind of movie where if I'm in the mood for an all-out heavy and gruesome film, that's the one I watch. Plus, it holds a special memory. I watched it when I was six years old, which is insane. I snuck the DVD out of my brother's room and threw it in without my mom knowing. I had no idea what I was in for, which... Shout out to Daniel. That's a bold move, Daniel. You are brave. I don't know if I would have made it to seven, honestly. (laughs) That sounds like an Alexis move, honestly. It would have been had I been six years old at that time. I was like double. I feel so old at that comment. (laughs) Wow. I didn't even think about it that way. But geez, yeah, you're right. But also your grandma would have been like, oh, no, you can just have this one. You can watch this. She's like, make sure you watch It Chapter 2. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, thank you so much, Ryan. Now, this week we have yet another killer with mommy issues, and we're seeing two very different takes on it. These movies explore the psyche of a man named Frank as he preys upon young, beautiful women and takes out on them the rage he's built from his mother. While the original film has ranked for some folks among the best or scariest slasher films of all time, it was especially meaningful for the producer of the remake, who paid homage to his love of the original in his own film, High Tension, something else we've covered here on this podcast. Now, both movies also dig deep to offer different perspectives on art. How do you create or preserve beauty, and how can you bring things to life with your work? This week, we're talking about both versions of Maniac. Now, who has seen either of these before? I had heard of the remake, but um, I definitely like heard of it, but I didn't know, and... I think there's something new that just came out on Netflix also called Maniac. So I was like, maybe that's what I thought it was. That's true. <laughs> so, But no, to answer your question. I obviously haven't seen either of these movies. I, for some reason, had them connected to like The Shining or like Psycho or something in my head where I thought these were, I thought Maniac was just like a super classic slasher, um, which I think it's pretty popular, but for some reason i thought i knew what this movie was and uh, i was wrong i 
have heard of the word maniac and I have watched that Netflix series called maniac, but I was not familiar with these movies. But have you been called a maniac? Only on the dance floor. (laughs) (laughs) Fascinating. The original version of this movie was actually recommended to me on Twitter by our listener, Amber, uh, who always shouts us out. And she made this recommendation for the 80s slasher challenge. To bring everybody up to speed, this was going to be a list of 80s slasher movies that people threw out expecting me to, to dislike them or hate them at some point. I hadn't seen or heard of this movie before that. And when I saw it, I didn't even realize it had a remake. I live tweeted my viewing of the original back in March, and all I expected from it was this, stated as such. Tom Savini is in this, so all I'm really expecting is solid makeup and effects at the very least. For the remake, upon learning that it had one, I expected it to be different in a few key ways, so more blood, extended kills, deeper dive into this killer's like psychology. Knowing Elijah Wood was cast also gave me this hope that we'd have a better angle on the killer and some of the relationships the killer has in the original movie. Um, now, did I expect it to be definitively better in every way? No. And honestly, I'm going to be real, I wasn't sure how serious I could take it knowing Elijah Wood is in it because I feel like I'd look at him and kind of laugh. I don't know. It's just me. Is it a Lord of the Rings thing? It's not even just that because like, I, I don't <laughs> see him and think Frodo. I see him and think scrawny. Creepy weirdo. Yeah, in the corner. It's his faculty like, character, honestly, is what it is. Oh, see, yeah. I only think Frodo Baggins. And I think especially when he was younger, it's just like, it's just the same. Like, I, I, I could not separate those things. Can I tell you upon seeing just the like the cover art? for the VHS or whatever you use for the, like the poster art. I was not expecting much. I was expecting like blood and someone killing. That's really my only thought going into the original version going into the remake. I was expecting to see Frodo Baggins killing people. Slay some something, chasing yeah. rings. I love you, Mr. Frodo. <laughs> <laughs> I saw the, uh, I guess, artwork for the cover of this movie. So looking at like the movie poster, I was like, oh, okay, it's a cool slasher made in the 80s. It's going to be fun. It's going to be cool. It's this crazy maniac just running around the streets killing people. I was like, oh, this is really going to be interesting. Wasn't sure what the remake was going to be about, but... Chris said I was going to like it. There was a lot of blood and guts. Uh, we'll get to how I felt about that. But yeah, so I was like, no, oh, I don't. It's just no, it's another 80s slasher to me. And the other one was just an extension of that. <laughs> just like, I wonder if they made it better or worse. Yeah. It's pretty much the expectation <laughs> when it's remade. Yeah. So I watched this on Tubi. I said, I wonder if this will continue the saga of if it's on Tubi for free, it sucks. <laughs> I made the mistake the thing that I hate to do, which is I read the description on Tubi and I just feel like I need to read it to you guys so you can understand how terrible the description is. It says, a disturbed man who prowls the seedy streets of New York City to slaughter innocent young women begins a relationship with a beautiful photographer, which is like, (laughs) just for what it's worth, their first date is 50 minutes into the movie. So um, my expectations were very confused (laughs) by this description. So I stand by my uh, classic line of don't read descriptions, don't watch trailers. For the new one, I, I expected to feel exactly how I felt about Frodo Baggins. And that is, it's impossible to separate the two. So... Did it turn out that way then? How how did you feel while you were watching both of them? Like he was going to go get a ring and throw it into a fire. And, uh, <laughs> you know. I thought he was going to turn him to Gollum in the, in, in the second one. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he was pretty close once I saw those mirror shots. <laughs> <laughs> These movies were hard to watch. 
just going to throw that out there. I yeah. I was watching them on my phone. I was multitasking, which is not preferable when watching a movie that you need to review, but it was required at the time. And so that makes things a little bit more difficult anyway. But so the violence, of course, is something you expect. I love like the crazy killers that you watch on like, you know, Criminal Minds or Mindhunter and that kind of stuff. I'm so into it. My favorite course in college was Abnormal Psychology. It is so interesting to me. But usually we get it from a very different perspective and we don't get so close and so sweaty when we learn about these these killers. True. And that, that it was it was very it was very close. We were very in the nostril of, of these killers. So that it was it was kind of a lot. The perspective I think made it a little bit challenging for me in in both films in different ways. But it it was gruesome, I would say. That's the only way I can describe the experience of each film was it was gruesome. Yeah, I mean, I don't think we can describe it any other way. <laughs> There's a lot of intensity in them. And especially, I don't know, it's hard, you know, for these podcasts, we sometimes end up like watching movies back to back, like old versus new and stuff like that. And consuming both of these movies at the same time is quite a lot. Agree. Yeah. It, it's like, you know, I think Terrifier is what we usually compare things to, but Terrifier has like a a totally different feeling from this movie. These are like dark, whereas Terrifier was like funny gore, kind of. I don't know. Even like Saw mm. too. I mean, I'll talk about it later, I guess. It kind of had a similar effect to me. I think it mostly has to go with the characters and the characterization of yeah. um, Frank, which gives you this vibe where you're like, oh, this, this might be real. Is this real? <laughs> oh, I'm watching a movie. <laughs> Shit. And I'm not watching a VHS. Someone just popped in my VCR. Like a family video? You're not watching the Poughkeepsie tapes. <laughs> yes. That's kind of what I was getting from this. <laughs> I think that word from that description is so right. CD. That's how this felt. Yeah. Especially the original. Yeah. Yeah. Now, when I first watched the original... I didn't know what to expect. I didn't know what I was in for. I, I was really engaged, though, and really weirded out in some areas. But I was definitely buckled up and enjoying the ride. I, I have a fascination, a weird fascination, I know, with serial killers. So this felt to me like the perfect blend of take a slasher and and mesh them with a realistic or mesh them with features of a realistic serial killer for realistic motives without the immortality we see of traditional slasher icons, it still manages to stay firmly in horror for me without feeling too much like a true crime movie. Because I feel like you you can cross a line where it just becomes a detective movie. And because we focus so much on the antagonist, we don't get the detective perspective. Yeah, I was thinking about it because um, we've watched some movies that it's like when you know who the killer is, it kind of just becomes this like... It, so I watch a lot of HLN at night, <laughs> which is just, you know, like crime stories and like reenactments and at some point here i was watching this and i was like i kind of feel like i'm watching a reenactment but then it it separates from that because we've definitely seen movies that that do exactly what you just said just go to true crime and this i think the the maniac element of it is what keeps it terrifying yeah what i loved in the experience of watching the two i had i can't do that i don't know how you guys can do the put one movie on and then put the movie other movie on immediately after i watched one movie on a wednesday and watched the other one on a saturday cuz i need some time and space to be fair we we all regret it oh yeah this i mean some i would enjoy watching them back to back especially if it's like a continuation or like 
we had to review the first one and then do the second one. But this one I would never recommend to watch uh, in one night. Yeah, that's just a lot for one sitting. So thank you for your uh, for your efforts. The remake, be, especially with giving that time and space, it felt like a totally different experience. It was weird for sure. But the way it's shot almost gives you room to understand Frank a little more and see things from his point of view versus being consistently outside the monster and watching him operate with no understanding of his motives. That's not to say that Frank is at all justified, don't get me wrong, but I felt way more engaged watching the remake because it just gets more into his point of view and his psychology. So Elijah Wood even said in an interview, are we trying to authentically capture what happens in the mind of a serial killer? Perhaps not. I think that would be far too dangerous. But that is kind of what they do. They they bring you to the edge of being able to not feel too much compassion for him, but understand that he's not the same Frank that we got in the original. But overall, I would say I was, I was struck by the audio in both movies. The scores were really exceptional. The sound effects for the kill methods were, they were intense. They were grotesque. They gave me chills. There were sounds I didn't care to hear, but were extremely effective. There was a couple moments that I liked, and it I think its it, it only worked because it was like the city feeling like i wouldn't say it was great score in the first one but i could i could see there's a couple things that i enjoyed there were some synths i'm surprised you didn't like that alexis i wasn't watching i think there were like a few but maybe those were like the more intense moments i was focusing on that shot for shot that i probably didn't pay attention in the beginning but maybe those were what put me to sleep in the you know the other parts uh alternatively did you enjoy, in the original, the 10 minutes of a girl moaning in a bathroom for no reason while she was trying to be silent? That was the one of the parts that I was like, wow, so intense. And I'm just like, okay, sh- he's either dumb and or he's just standing outside and just going to wait. But I-, I don't know. I was just like, yeah, she needed to STF you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just, it, it bothered me a lot the way the audio and the video didn't match a lot of times in the first, uh, the original. And it it just threw me off so much. I hated it. And I, I know I've already kind of complained to Chris about this because I physically couldn't handle how much I hated it. Um, and I was so glad to see that gone in the second one. There, The audio was pretty cool, though. I mean, like you mentioned, the synths were kind of fun. So I, I got to appreciate that. The sound effects for the gore, like you mentioned, were very intense, even listening on AirPods. Like, that's how I knew it was wild was when... You know, the audio sounds fine. They're talking, whatever happens. And then there's like a kill happening and it's like clear as day. That was, yeah, that was hardcore. There was a scene in the original movie that just like the mood shifted suddenly from completely grotesque to like happy-go-lucky and like the music matched that. And that bothered me. When he was on a freaking date. Yeah, that was awkward. So there were, there's a couple other scenes where it does that like back and forth and the audio really matches the mood. And it's, it's uncomfortable i think and maybe that's on purpose because it just shifts so rapidly from from deadly to just like carefree like nothing's happening but the the audio in the remake was really tough for me and this is probably part of that perspective thing that i mentioned is is an issue but having frank's audio dubbed over later i can't i can't unhear it and the entire time i'm watching the movie i hear it and it's really hard for me to to get past that. In the remake? Yes. So because the remake kind of moves, you know, from the third person view into Frank's point of view, his audio is added later. It's dubbed. So it's added on top. Yeah, but I mean, like, 
How do you know when you don't see his lips moving? Because it's from his perspective. But I can I can tell. Um, well, I couldn't. I can I can hear it. I can hear the dubbing. And I'm not saying it was done poorly. Bless that good hearing. He guys said dub 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 dub. <laughs> I'm not saying it was done poorly or anything. I'm just saying like I it I was constantly processing processing it, and it kind of felt like I was watching like a YouTube ASMR video. Uh, it's so funny because that's how the stress you feel about that is the stress I felt in the in the original. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. That both movies had a lot of heavy breathing. Yeah. It was very pornographic, the audio in both films. Yeah, definitely. So another thing, speaking of the point of view, that was something that surprised me that Same. I totally did not expect in this remake. And I don't know that I've ever seen another movie that did that. And I don't know if I want to. Yeah, at least not the whole entire time. The whole like, thing. Yeah. And like when you like some of the shots that that come from that are like looking into a mirror but not looking into a mirror and i don't know there were some things um that definitely definitely caught me off guard in the remake i don't know these movies are have a lot of similarities and differences it's almost like 50 50 i guess in general i was just surprised about how much gore was in this and how intense it was too i know we talked about that before but i was just not in that mind frame watching this and i was like holy hell i'm surprised girl very surprised and i'm surprised at my reaction Girl, if I ever tell you that you're going to like something, know that it's going to be the goriest shit you've ever seen. <laughs> Yikes. And it was. Um, and I'm surprised at like how I felt about it. Um, I'll wait till after the spoiler break. But yeah, I'm just surprised in general like about it. I don't think surprised <laughs> is the right word for me. I think shocked is perhaps the right word. That's That's how I felt going into this movie. Like right off the bat, I felt shocked at the violence that we witness. Because we're talking about a serial killer and we'll get into who the victims are in it. But I think it was shocking for me because usually when we're dealing with serial killers, we have that like separation from them and we're seeing it in more of like a documentary feeling almost. And in these films are not, we're like right up close in the action next to them with them experiencing it. And it's, you know, it was kind of, kind of a lot, but it was definitely unexpected. I was expecting slasher. I was expecting in the shadows and we kind of see them, the stabbing motion happens and the person falls down and then there's some fake blood or something like that. And we don't get that in this one. When we get to our favorite scenes later, there was one that I was a hundred percent not expecting and was very satisfied was very surprised by and shocked by and loved in in the original film. Oh, can't wait to find out what that is. I know, but it's it's spoiler ridden, so I don't want to talk about it. That's fair. The overall quality of the original, uh, that was the huge surprise to me because by the nature of, again, what that slasher challenge was for me, I was expecting awful movies and good old Amber snuck in a quality one. Uh, there were small spots where I was disappointed by a weird thing or two and We'll get to that in the gore score of the second movie. Ultimately, though, it it was a clean, cohesive watch in my eyes. What surprised me even more was the overall quality of the remake. Now, the team behind this is the same team who did the Hills Have Eyes remake, um, High Tension. So they obviously have a lot of great movies under their belts, but they're movies that I just don't jive with. The only one they've done that I've objectively loved was Crawl. And that was no complaints, right? And I know I've seen the movie they did called P2. But I don't remember enough of it to recall any feelings about it. So knowing that, I'm really surprised how few complaints I generally have about the remake. I will say that some of the stuff that you were talking about earlier, like just with it being shocking in that perspective we get from serial killers, I think it does an interesting thing to how frightening these movies are. 
I don't think the movie themselves are particularly scary, but I think what it does wonderfully is highlight what so many women are naturally inclined to be aware of with their own intuition. So both movies have these scenes where you fully appreciate the situational awareness that two to three women in particular have, where nothing is immediately obvious to them, but their intuition is telling them to be on high alert. And I was telling Ryan this before, but it reminds me so much of this book called The Gift of Fear, which it just talks about your intuition and trusting your intuition when it puts you in dangerous situations. I'll put a link down in the show notes if you want to check it out, but did anyone else find this frightening? I thought this was pretty terrifying, I think, because there's, you know, people out there who have these sort of illnesses and sort of issues that maybe are not so, I mean, are our neighbors. Um, I mean, not <laughs> mine personally, but, but maybe. Yeah, you don't know. But I did. I think um, what was terrifying, and I think to me the most was Frank in the original one. He just had this like nasty sweatiness that was just terrifying to me. And it just added to his character. Elijah Wood, not that scary. Um, but Frank in OG original was just like, it was good. It was good. It was terrifying for me. Yeah, I I kind of battle with this. So like Chris was talking about with like the intuition, um, it is definitely a part of this movie a big part of this movie is how women react to these situations and different types of women and their different reactions my beef is like sometimes in movies everyone acts like an absolute idiot when their intuition goes off and they you know hide in a place where they can't escape and i think stuff like that is silly and that annoys me but you know just a personal distaste we'll unpack that further later as far as being afraid like I think Alexis, you're totally right. Like, it's not that this movie is scary. I didn't feel scared when I was watching this movie. It's like this concept of uh, being out of touch with reality. Like, like I might work with someone who could just lose track of what's real and what's not. And that's what these movies do really well. Like, it's you see the way they're experiencing things and then the way they really are. And it's so scary because I think everyone in the world has at some point been like, am I crazy? And fortunately, if you start thinking, am I crazy? You're probably not. But what if you are and, and, and you don't realize because you, your reality is reality. That's what's scary. Is reality reality though? Sometimes I think about that. Like sometimes I'm like, what if this is that part in the dream where you realize it's a dream and you try to wake yourself up? And then it's like, but I can't wake myself up. That's scary That's too. That's creepy when you, I've never had that. Like I'm in a dream and I realized it was a dream. That's. Um, yeah. I've had it where I realize I'm in a dream. Like I think I'm completely awake. I realize I'm in a dream and then I'm like, I need to wake up, but I can't, I can't physically make myself wake up. Oh, they That's have freaky. a documentary on that. Yeah. I had a <laughs> real bad dream about Ryan recently that was like that. And I woke up crying. It was so bad. Oh, She did not want to hear about it. <laughs> I do, but I don't like to have people repeat bad dreams because I think they can leave your brain really quickly if you don't talk about yeah, it. Yeah. That sounds like a plot of a horror movie. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. <laughs> if you speak of them, they become reality. I didn't find this scary. Perhaps the people are somewhat frightening in that people like this have existed and do exist to this day. Maybe that's like a scary notion, but I was not cowering in fear or anything like that. But I'm also not the intended target of these killers. So Yep, you're safe. That's true. Pretty much. White man, definitely safe. <laughs> Obviously. Also perpetrator. Oh, that being said, the, the killers are interesting to watch. And I think OG Frank does have this everyman kind of appearance. Like, I feel like if you saw him today, 
you would just think like that's just like an everyday dude that's acting super creepy. I need to stay away from him. But Elijah Wood, he's so cute. How could you look at him if he was acting normal and think, oh, he's scary. If he acted like his character in this film, yeah, you would be like, get away from that guy. First off, he looked hella creepy in every reflection we see him in and his hands were grotesque. That's true. Elijah Wood and Frank from the OG, Joe Spinell. Both of them are the exact type of person you want to get away from. But really, the the trick to all of this is it doesn't matter what someone looks like. You should stay away from them all because Ted Bundy was allegedly handsome. Eh. Yeah, <laughs> I think a lot of people say that. And then we go back and like watch the videos of him. And then everyone today that I've seen goes, people thought he was handsome. Oh, I mean, like there are some photos of him where he's objectively good looking. <laughs> Not that I'm into that. I was like, uh, what? <laughs> I think it comes down to this thing where like when you look back, like, as long as someone doesn't look like an ogre in this context, you're going to be like, wow, it's so weird because he killed people, but he was handsome. And it's like, oh, that's that's a subjective decision. He's not handsome to me, but it's on a scale. Yeah. Yeah. They're just trying to say he didn't look like he was going to kill you all the time. But I think you could say that they do look like they're going to kill you in these movies. Yeah, I'd say so. I had some trouble like separating the fact that we know they're the killer and the fact that other characters don't, because I'm like, look at this person. They're obviously going to kill you. <laughs> Can't you see his switchblade? Come on. Look at that sweat dripping off of everything. Come on. So like, we know about these serial killers, right? We've seen serial killers who struggle with mental health. We've seen men prey on women so many times on this podcast. And we've even seen it where they do it because of mommy issues. What I hadn't seen, though, was a blend of those horror icons with those real world serial killers and how it forged its own identity with those mannequins. And I'll say that the remake is, I think, the best I've seen yet from the perspective of bringing in elements from the original, respecting it, adding its own flavor to not only set itself apart, but like just raise the bar of the film's reputation. And at least for me, I feel like it matched every punch the original made and hit back even harder without deviating too much from the original spirit, if that makes sense. And I, I think when I stop to think about this, I feel like this is how everybody else felt about The Hills Have Eyes. That's exactly how they felt. <laughs> it's exactly how I felt. <laughs> In my opinion, it was original. It was great. It was, it has all these elements that I appreciate and all these, you know, sort of themes and it just rolls into one and I really like that. I don't know. It's interesting because Chris, you're right. Like we've seen men chasing women, yada, yada. And and it does, like, especially watching the original, you do get this feeling like, oh, this just kind of feels like they took all the serial killers I can think of from before the 2000s and kind of mushed them together and, you know, put it in a seedy New York setting and stuff like that. But then at the same time, like, I can't think of a movie where I've, like, seen someone going crazy in this way and seen what they're doing. And um, and then you have the remake and with the point of view and everything. I I I think there are some points here for originality for for both as a whole. I struggled with it a little bit because while watching it, of course, my mind is just like dissecting it and going like, oh, Psycho. Oh, Ed Keen from real life. Ooh, all these other serial killers that we've seen before and that we've heard stories about and that existed, whether real or in, in, in fiction. But I, I don't think that I had ever read about someone exactly like this or seen a depiction of a serial killer exactly like this. So there was like this battle I had, like I felt like, yes, these are all ingredients we've seen. It sounds like some textbook stuff, but at the same time, this is, this is new for me. This is shocking, if you will. But uh, I, I think I got to give it some, some points in both cases. Cause I don't think 
anyone had delivered an experience like each of these movies up to, up to each point. Like I love that the fact that they they do things differently to give you the same feeling. Somehow, decades later, when we've seen everything, like everything that you could possibly think of has been put into film by that point. But somehow they're able to still transmit that original feeling to a crowd that has seen much crazier things than the original movie. For sure. And we've heard some mixed things about each movie as it comes to this point. Yeah, the audio left something to be desired for some of you looking at the perspective of the serial killer. I'm questioning how into the gore Alexis was because if it surprised her, now I'm suddenly concerned. But we all know that the real decisions about these movies tend to lie in how we feel about the ending. So how did that turn out for all of you? The endings were wild rides in both films, and I was 100% not expecting them to happen in the way that they did. There was there was some good action happening. There was a good point for, for Frank where like I was concerned that nothing was going to end, that this was just going to be like a... You know, we have a character that continues doing what they're doing and has a room full of mannequins. Yeah. (laughs) Like, how much room do you have? Right. Like, he's got to get a bigger apartment. That's the sequel. (laughs) But no, I I feel like we got to somewhat of a resolution that I found satisfying because it was like so extreme um, and was dealing with the mind of, of Frank and not just like what was happening externally. I enjoyed it. I, like you said, I thought it had a good ending that was definite there's no questions asked there's a little maybe a little bit uh but i don't know like the mind is a tricky thing and i think watching the end of this i it was tricky to me i feel like they should have done one thing like i would have changed one thing about it um and i feel like everyone might probably agree with me but um i don't know it's kind of like in it's in one and not the other so yeah uh, i'm kind of torn like the ending of the remake i quite enjoyed and there were quite a few elements that were changed and uh man the ending in the first one the original did not sit well with me there were several components of it where i was just like why and how and why but we'll see it's really hard to talk about these without without spoiling everything no i mean that's fair because of how wild these endings are I thought the ending to the original was exceptionally weird, but in a good way. And it's an interesting mix of, you know, what is hallucination? What is reality? But I think the way the remake handled that line and its crossing of that line is way better. Either way, I was satisfied with both. And it didn't give me that bad taste in my mouth like Phantasm gave me. You know what I mean? Even though there's an element of the remake sending that bummed me out, I generally was pleased by both. So... We'll see how all these feelings shake out for both of these movies. But before we make our way to our rating, Alexis, what do you have for the body count for each film? For OG version, I have seven. And very similarly, but not the same. So same, same, different. (laughs) In the 2000s version is eight. Indeed. Mm. And what I think is so misleading is that you hear that number, right? And you think, oh, that's not bad. That's, That's kid stuff. But I think the seven and the eight that you get is pretty intense. And I can't wait to hear Alexis's thoughts on them. Yes. (laughs) Now, of those seven, of those eight, Ryan, what's the animal report for these movies? For the amount of hair in these movies, thankfully, none of it came from animals. Our our animal report is good to go. So glad that bodes well. Now let's go ahead and get into our rating. Maniac from 1980. Was it a hack or a slash? 
All right. I give it all the credit for being, you know, a cold classic. I can definitely see why it might be. I clearly never heard of it. Um, But I don't know. I think it was just the plot in the beginning. It was just, I mean, I get it. You start me off with a kill. You you keep me engaged in maybe two or three kills. The rest of them, I know what he's going to do at that point. Um, You get this ominous background talk that you're like, but is it him? Is it Ed? Like, is it supposed to be someone else in the scene? I don't know. I fell asleep during it, which is surprising that I would fall asleep during something so gory. It was low. The talking, the dialogue, I don't know. It just didn't keep me engaged fully that I, I, I wanted and needed to be. And then all of a sudden, you get some weird plot change in the middle. And and you and I looked. I was like, damn, I sure have another hour of this shit. Um, and I just shouldn't say shit. I'm going to give it props. But I was like, wow, it's only 30 minutes. Why are you going to in it like literally drop in a whole entire like plot now into it just to make an, the ending seem like maybe even make yourself feel a little bit more for this character? I don't think that's the way you do it. The fact that I went to sleep, I'm giving this a hack. <laughs> going to give it props, but also a hack. It, 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 I could see why people would think this is maybe... I'm like, had I better have been a better mind frame? But I don't even think that's it. I just think I did not enjoy this. Yeah. So I really enjoyed this movie, uh, which, you know, is not what I expect of an 80s slasher. <laughs> if if that's what we want to consider this. I enjoyed a lot of the elements of this. It is pretty intense, uh, but I didn't have the like classic things that I usually hate in an 80s movie where like I'm, I just hate every character and can't relate to anyone and... Um, I think the setting does a lot for it. I think the uh, gore and types of story, like the people he goes after and stuff like that, they do a lot for it. But there's a lot of things that drove me insane in this movie. And so I am actually a gentle hack. But if you told me you love this movie, I wouldn't I wouldn't judge you. And honestly, (laughs) I could not be more on the fence about this movie. This is the most I've been on the fence in a long time. But I feel like I would be leading you astray as a brand <laughs> if I told you it was a slash for me. But it's pretty good for an 80s slasher. And it's different. It's different from what I usually hate. <laughs> I'm going to give it its props because I'm going to call a couple things out here. So the kills are very intense, especially for 1980, considering the other like slashers that we had before this. I mean, afterwards, obviously, like we see some insanity, but like before this, I don't feel like we saw stuff that was nearly as intense and up close and, and personal and with a good variety too, like a massive variety in, in some of the kills. There's a lot of kills. It feels like there's constantly killing in this movie. There's like a lot of, a lot of things going on. And to hear it's only seven is surprising because it feels like it's, it's just like one after the other. It was kind of hard for me to keep up at a certain point with like, who's dying? Like, I feel like everyone's dying. No one's going to survive this. It's the walking dead. That being said, the audio was a bit tough. It was a bit wild in places for me, uh, to, to listen, to listen to it. Um, but I have some major issues with the perspective. Like I've mentioned, it was really tough for me to watch the film because I felt it was just felt really claustrophobic. I, it, it made the film less greasy. enjoyable. It did. No, greasy. greasy is the right feeling. Like pizza grease, like whole hand on the pizza grease on your t-shirt, deodorants on the outside of your t-shirt, and you're walking around in two days without taking a shower. It's New York in the 80s. Right. <laughs> right. I'd say it's a little bit more than two days. <laughs> yeah. Like three days walking around like that. I didn't even see a bathroom in that apartment. Yeah. Yeah. It's like just total. Oh, no. He had hot plate. That was oh. an efficiency. 
He lives in the back of somebody's crib. <laughs> that's when you go to the gym to take a shower. Yeah, he, he was not hitting the gym. <laughs> that's very true. But I think the acting was was pretty phenomenal uh, in this film. I got to give him some some major credit because you really feel that killer conveyed through that screen into your brain. But it was too much for me, and I just I did not enjoy the movie. Like Ryan says, if you enjoy this, I'm not going to tear that down. I'm not going to say you shouldn't, and I'm not going to say you shouldn't watch this. I'm just going to say it wasn't right for me, and I felt icky. So it's a hack for me. Interesting. All right. So three hacks so far. Well, spoiler alert, folks. My judgment on this movie has been published uh, since March. My tweet at the end of watching this movie was this. Okay, the ending is admittedly hella weird, dot, 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 but I like it. Yes, that's in all caps. Maniac1980 gets a slash from me. Knew it was coming. And look, here's the thing, right? There's so many reasons I go into this. One, it was a pleasant surprise. Two, some of the deaths in here are long, uncomfortably long. And Mac, you're right. This movie is tough to watch. It's difficult to watch. But I feel like it's difficult to watch with the intention of being so. They conducted such thorough research to get certain details just right for Frank's character, like we're even researching the son of Sam, who was a killer in New York. One of the even better things is that despite all of the harrowing violence we get in this, despite all the gore, despite how difficult it is to stomach, there's a discussion here about photography and photographing someone and preserving them in a moment. And that cut very deeply with me. And it was so interesting to see in this movie how that one detail gives so much about a character and their perspective. So I think the character himself was built very well, even though he was aesthetically one of the most unpleasing people to look at. I will say for the remake, this is the first one that I think is just pound for pound better than the original, even with me liking the original. I feel like the only other movie I felt similarly about was The Texas Chainsaw Massacre, but I didn't like the original. What they did to take an already well-established character and dive further into his mind and change enough of the story to have a similar outcome, but not the same outcome, and take you on an almost entirely different journey, I absolutely loved it. So the remake even gets a slash from me. But 2012, Maniac, Hacker Slash for the three of you. So for me, when I look at a remake, um, it, it, this is going to sound silly, but it truly is a matter of, are they going to make the things that I didn't like better or are they going to change it and make everything worse? And in this instance, I really feel like the things that I was just irritated by in the original were really improved in the, in the remake. And the point of view in this movie is intense. It's it's overwhelming. Uh, it's maybe too much. Um, it's maybe a change I wish they didn't make. And also it's Frodo Baggins. And like, I've never been afraid of that man in my life. He's four feet tall. Even if he's not, in my head, he's four feet tall and he's chasing a ring. And so it's, it's it, again, a hard balance, but actually this one's a slash for me. It's another soft slash. Like, I'm not going to tell you this is one of the best movies I've ever seen, but like, I enjoyed it. It's intense again, though. Like, Overall, these are all very intense, and you have to know what you're getting into when you go into watching both of these movies. I don't know if I necessarily go, like, you know, compare it. I kind of think of it as, like, its own entity. But um, I think it did the same stuff. I mean, like, the stuff I didn't really enjoy, they made better or just kind of changed it in a way that was unique. So I didn't feel like I was watching the same movie because, God forbid, if I did that, I'd be like, holy crap. Yeah. Um, 
I thought the gore was amped up and I thought the gore was crazy in the first one. So this one definitely. Um, and I think I have a little bit more appreciation for the 80s version just because I feel like that was harder to do. Um, but there were some really good kills in this one. Really good kills. They didn't. I feel like they didn't linger too much. Um, so I felt less intensity, which made me feel a little bit better about watching it. Um, but I loved, and I don't, I don't know. I don't think it was necessarily the, um, first person perspective that I was watching it, but I just loved how like visually this looked, especially the mannequins seeing all that. Like I was just this photo, the girl, I was Anna just taking photos in my head. <laughs> but I mean, I thought it was enjoyable. Granted, I wish I would have probably watched this not in the same night. I feel like I would have enjoyed it more and picked up on the little things that it paid tribute to in the um, original one, but I'm gonna have to give this a slash. Man, that gore was very intense in the, in the newer version of this film, very intense. And I felt like there was some shots in here that were super Tom Savini. There was some gore in here that I was like, dude, you just, you just pulled up the Tom Savini playbook and those, and that, that gore looks like almost like from a zombie movie, like so intense. So major props to the uh, just like astounding gore that they were able to, to throw into the film. Um, they changed it enough to make it a different film from the original, which was fantastic, but they were still able to give you that same feeling that you got from the original. So two completely different times, two completely different versions of Frank, like very different versions of Frank, which I got to appreciate, uh, but still that same feeling while watching it, while riding along. The riding along, however, was the part I had trouble with, and that's what makes it a hack for me. Uh, I have some trouble with some first-person stuff, it's literally dizzying for me to watch. And so it was it was really hard to actually watch the entire thing the whole way through. There's another film that I was so excited to watch that uses a similar point of view called Hardcore Henry. And that one literally first person view the entire film. That's the only thing that you see. Oh, no, thank you. Yes, it's it's a lot. It's hard for me to watch that because, again, it's literally dizzying for me. But the other stuff I had some trouble with, the the, the dubbing of the audio over Top Frank. I just couldn't get past it. It felt like I was watching an ASMR video. It felt like I was watching something, you know, that I would see from a YouTuber and it was just like a little bit bothersome for me. It was well done, but it was troubling. So yeah, that that perspective in the first one, we were just getting so close and so gritty and so nasty. And this one, it's literally like the point of view, the perspective itself was very tough for me to watch. So I think a lot of people will enjoy this. The story's fantastic the characters are well made but i it was hard for me to to put my eyes on this film and, and look at it so it's a hack for me well hot damn welcome to mac or slash <laughs> i feel like it's rare that we get a double hack from mac usually yeah. super rare yeah honestly <laughs> still needs to be on the grill for a little longer well there you have it folks the original maniac from 1980 may have only earned one slash and three hacks but its remake made out a little bit more favorably. It got three slashes and one hack. We have so much to get to. We have a little bit to explore with what was Mac's unexpected, satisfying favorite scene out of a movie he ultimately hacked. How does Ryan feel about people who just run off into a dead end kind of location? And what would Alexis have changed about the ending? Stay tuned for more. You can find the original free on Tubi. And you can find the other one, actually, if you, if you want to do a trial to IFC, I believe it's $5.99 a month. Check it out. Join us in the second half so we can get down to business. See you in a bit. Hello, fellow mannequin maniacs. Are you looking for a new do for your non-moving friends? Visit Manny's Mannequin Mains for fleek wigs for your statuesque humanoids. 
All of our wigs are ethically sourced with zero hairs from tragically slain real humans. Spice up your sales floor or your front door with a hairpiece from Manny's Mannequin Mains. Now offering 100% organic, small batch, humane scalp removal for our non-vegan friends. Welcome back, folks. You are now entering the spoiler zone for Maniac. Now, the original earned three hacks and one slash, then things turned right back around, and the remake performed slightly favorably with three slashes and one hack. Now, we've got a lot to unpack here, but before we get into the specifics of our ratings, we have the matter of gore to get to. Alexis, I know it was intense. What's up with the gore score? Low? Across the <laughs> board? Funny. Just kidding. <laughs> Across the board, low. This movie was a disappointment. No, I'm kidding. Super chill. <laughs> Sesame Street vibes. Yes. <laughs> Until they get their head, tops of their heads ripped off. This movie was crazy. And I said it before and I said I tell my opinions on the gore. It was so intense. It was a bunch of elements coming in and making it, I think, a little too much gore for me. I said it. I said it. I said it. Both of them. <laughs> Yes. Ooh. Um, mostly the first one, but the second one, it wasn't like I was turning my head, but I was, but it was the first one. I think it was just like seeing him so sweaty and gross and him talking. And then there's these other voices in the background. There's this lighting and it was just a little much. What I love about this moment right now is that you're saying it's too much gore, but you're saying, describing everything about the original, that's not the gore. <laughs> like, his sweatiness is too gory for you. No, what I think is it plays into that. So that he, it's in this scene that he's grunting and moaning while he's killing these people. And it, it seemed like a little too real for me. Like, it, it, I, I, you know, I like my horror when it's not grounded in reality. Just uh, <laughs> why I watch it. Um <laughs> So I think that's why I was like, oh my goodness, like he straight up slit these people's throat on the beach. Do I need to be turning my head when I'm at the beach? Because clearly I go at random times as a woman. Sorry, Mac, maybe this has happened to you. I don't know. But like every time I'm walking somewhere, even if I'm walking from my car here, I'm always looking behind me, but I'm never really thinking something's actually behind me. But I don't know. It's like that fear that like it, it's terrifying and that's why I probably didn't find the kills so enjoyable because I was like, holy crap, he's doing this again to this person. Like, oh my gosh, like they're in, uh, in every essence innocent. You know, some, I mean, you got shitty ass teenagers like in other 80s slashers that might have deserved it. But it also might have been the element of intensity too. Like that was so intense and there was no kind of comedic release, I think. There ain't no clown in this movie. Like, yeah. <laughs> yep. there isn't like something crazy like birds and uh glass falling and splitting someone in half like that those are yeah. so absurd but this has you know it's it's just grounded in reality it was like a little like off-putting i was like um i don't want to watch uh the remake because clearly <laughs> it's going to be just as crazy but had to watch them both back to back which also might have been why I was like, this is too much score in one night. Too much scalping. It was. And I think the 80s one looks so real. Like, the special effects were so great in it, right? Tom Savini, it's your boy. Them practical practical special effects were so impactful. Um, I definitely was uh, very uncomfortable the first scalping. It's just like, he just... Cuts a cuts a slice and then just slips her skin off of her skull. Like, it's like nothing. And it just gives you this feeling like... 
could we all just fall out of our skin at any moment if we get a cut the right size? Like, are we just gooey in here? Like, it was very uncomfortable. Like, um, you know, I think the remake has a lot of the same efforts, but the CGI definitely takes away from it. There's a few scenes where it stood out to me, and I think CGI works well if it doesn't stand out to you. Um, I'm not saying I'm not that person that's like, I never want it, but there's a few times where I was like, okay, like it's a little too much. Um, but the scalpings, dude, the scalpings were overwhelming, like, and, and they didn't stop and it made it just like, it, it made the, like almost like a little bit of like, I'm sick to my stomach, but I've yes. seen home, so many people have their scalps removed. And it's so realistic. It's straight on. It's not cut. I mean, there, I think there's maybe one death in the, I, I don't know. There's one that wasn't like, so full on screen. Yeah. But. And it's uh, someone getting their head blown off by a gunshot. So <laughs> yeah. that's the, yeah, that's the level of like, Hey, we're giving you a break from scalpings. Um, but they're going to have their head blown off. So yeah. <laughs> so there you go. So on a scale like Halloween to terrifier, this has earned its own place on the scale. I think it's in the territory, like the territory for terrifier. Yeah. It's like a different scale. I feel if the Poughkeepsie tapes had been like a little less found footage, and a little bit more killer's perspective and like a few more deaths, I feel like we'd have like, I'd be very haunted by that movie, even more haunted than I am now. Oh man, that movie's so bad. It's good, but it's like, ugh. It's like Terrifier is like, hey, I'm a clown. I'm staring at you in the pizza parlor. I'm gonna slice you in half hot dog style because it's fun. That's what Terrifier was doing. He's having fun. In this movie, it's just like, you see how demented he is and it's so gory. That it, I, it's not even like the same as Terrifier. It's not on the normal scales, I feel like. Yeah, it's it's lacking that polish, that feeling of I'm watching a movie. Yes. And, you know, this, this film is more like I'm watching footage of someone killing someone in real life without it being, you know, the whole like deliberately faked found footage kind of feeling. It just feels super visceral. Yeah. For sure. It's, it's got a texture to it that I don't like. It has a smell. Oh, gosh. This movie totally, <laughs> all of them had a smell. They all, the they're all smelly. Thing. Especially all the flies. I was like. Oh, the flies. Oh, the my God. flies. And him just just spraying the raid on like the their faces, basically. I could smell the raid. Oh, God. <laughs> I could like taste it. You ever get like a, a taste of something no. aerosol? No, yes. you don't want that. Yes, I have like bug spray or something. I haven't got a taste like... of raid. Yeah, but or like Lysol or like bug spray where like accidentally blows towards you is that oh. a florida thing huffing raid <laughs> no um hey look is the only real floridian here no it's not <laughs> okay i'm very floridian i don't want to be tested like this born and raised i was neither of those things but i st- <laughs> am still claiming it only when it's convenient <laughs> talking about that cgi though i mean it in the remake it was funny because i was so excited for that first kill because i was like oh shit it's about to happen or maybe it's not and then like i loved it because it was so different like it was something i've never really seen a- as a kill like i've seen stabs I mean, i've seen people's head blown off ain't no big deal up in here nbd <laughs> whatever give me something new but i have never seen that before and the thing is like then you're in this first person perspective and you're like okay what the hell am i gonna see what he looks like i'm gonna see his reaction because he's talking like he's sorry about it but then he's doing that and i was just like oh shit and then it just like oh gosh and then her head and then oh it's it's crazy but i have to admit so if i'm talking about like a favorite kill from the second one i think it's definitely gonna have to be um the art gallery manager, Rita. It's going to have to be Rita. And one, she's crazy tied up. Yeah. 
old lady tied up butt naked i was like look at that old lady butt poughkeepsie tapes tied up <laughs> poughkeepsie tapes tied up but also maybe kinky sex tied up which yeah. is also that's okay no judgment here you're into it whatever no i only like something i could maybe possibly just like go like this and let go not <laughs> someone you, passes out i next i seen Ger- gerald's game oh yeah yeah and that shit scares me you want the risk of danger but not true danger yeah no true danger <laughs> so i i really like that but then it's just like you know this it, it kind of reflects the scene, the bathroom scene in the first one. So I like that parallel. And then like, you're not sure when it's coming. You're like, okay. And then he has her on the bed, you know? And then I think that scalp removal was one of the hardest to watch. Cause she's like alive looking yeah. in it. And I'm just like, holy cow. Like also, it's tied up. I swear she was a stunt actor and she actually got her back sliced. Like I swear <laughs> that we're talking about the cgi the cut that he does like down her back when he's running the knife down and yes. then he actually like digs in i was like that's a real cut dude like it yeah it looked so legitimate i feel like someone got paid to get their back sliced or it's a really good cgi artist i don't know but it, it that was insane my favorite kill from the 80s um would definitely have to be um i think the n- sword through the nurse's back <laughs> Yeah, And I think because we've talked about this, it's such a stalking moment. And I'm like, oh, she got away. And I literally would probably go like that too, but not actually in it. I'd wait till I got out of the damn building. And then like, she's running. And I mean, I've been in New York City. Those subways ain't my jam (laughs) at all. Like it isn't. You could not pay me any amount of money to go into a subway at night Mm -hmm. in New York. I just don't get it. I mean, I'm sorry, a subway bathroom. In New York, no. Even if it's broad daylight, I'm not going into a bathroom. Not even with people. It's not going to happen. You couldn't even pay me to go to New York, honestly. Okay. All right, let's calm that down a little bit. It's fun. I don't blame you. Whoa, it's just not my speed, all right? That's like a busy, hustling place. I respect it. Don't need to go see it. I agree. It's not my place either. I went. (laughs) I was like, "Mm, I could deal without this. I don't need to see Times Square. I want to see New York, (laughs) not smell New York. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Look, every big city has its own smell. New York happens to smell like trash and feces. That's fine. San Francisco kind of smells like pee. Okay, I just want to be here to say y'all are wrong and stop talking trash about New York City. I'm not talking trash. New York has a smell. It's still great, but every big city has a smell. Everyone has a smell. What's better or worse? Just whether or not you can smell it, right? <laughs> I'm just saying, I'm here I'm here to say I love New York. I don't want to go to Times Square, but I like that's part of the reason I had any um initial love for these movies is because of their setting i like new york i didn't know everyone was so hateful around here i'm not being hateful i love new york too it's so much fun i, I a couple of years ago i had to stay up in soho and then like you know went across town and was just like taking the subway and it was like super fun to be on the subway and have nowhere to be except for just wherever i wanted to be yeah, if i had to live there it'd be horrible but just imagine not having a car it'd be so nice i don't know i kind of like having the freedom of a car and if somebody were chasing me and i could just hop in my car and get away that'd be pretty amazing except if i ended up like the dude with the shotgun kill because that was my favorite kill (laughs) there we go that was amazing was not expecting it and i'm so glad you know who it happened to that was satisfying but it was just so unexpected for it to like it's it's like watching the scene from jaws where you can see it coming closer and you're like someone's getting closer what's going to happen then you see the gun and you're like oh no they're going to get shot and then it's like no your head's getting blown off it's done. It's gone. That was cool. Very classic. So for me, in it's interesting. In the original, I don't. I have a favorite thing relating to a kill, but it's not the actual kill itself. 
So when he kills Rita, he just like stabs her with a switchblade, which I have a whole feeling, set of feelings about switchblades. Like they're like 80 serial killer starter kit. Like, let me get a, can I get a, can I get a switchblade that's like real skinny and long, man? We have to discover later what, what else is in that starter kit, but continue. I'll, I'll work on the ideas. So yeah, he stabs her, which is just like, okay, it's not really the most exciting kill, but there's right after that he like lays on top of her and is laying on the knife still in her and the blood like kind of pumps out of the wound and it's like it was like visceral i was just like oh like that little effect there just like because otherwise i mean there's hardly anything to remember about that kill obviously there's the whole experience before it but the kill was just like okay but then there's just a little detail it's just like man it was it was intense and uh it felt like what would really happen in that scenario. And for the remake, I gotta go with the meat cleaver to the mouth. Oh my gosh, that was like, intense. Yeah. That oh, yeah. was intense. What? I mean... Not expecting. Yeah, maybe unrealistic. I don't know. I don't know what it was, but it. I, I blinked and missed it. And then all of a sudden saw a man with a cleaver in his jaw. And I was like, what? And ran it back and like, and then, you know, he gets up and still fights and stuff after that. So I guess technically that's also not the kill. So I'm breaking rules here, but like just the meat cleaver separating and like in his mouth. Oh my God. Unbearable. Oh yeah. That gave me chills quite legitimate. It also gave me the idea of like a Joker from the Dark Knight origin story. You want to know how I got these scars? I tried to help a young lady out. No, thank you. Mm -mm. It was horrible. I feel like the remake had so many good ones, including the meat cleaver to the mouth. And it even starts with that opening kill that's far more satisfying than we got in the original. Alexis, I love that you shouted that one out earlier. That was so good. And it surprised me because when we didn't get a kill in those first few minutes before the opening credits start, I thought for sure we weren't going to get an opening scene kill. My favorite, though, was Jessica. Not just for the tension of her chase, and Ryan, I'm sure you were glad she made it to the subway without going into the bathroom. Oh, so much so. And it was it also wasn't the brutality of that Achilles tendon slice. It was when she was scalped and the camera turns to give us that shot of his body holding that knife in one hand and her scalp in the other, which perfectly matched the poster for the original movie. That was the ultimate just like, hey, we know what we're doing here. Pain respects real quick, to the 1980 version. Now, in the original, Mac, I have to agree with you, that Tom Savini head explosion was insane. And when I first saw this movie, it went down. I deemed it my favorite 80s head explosion, period. And what's real fun is knowing about this movie. So Tom Savini plays the disco boy. He did all the effects. And he was also the one who pulled the trigger to shoot himself in the face. Of course he did. Was anyone surprised? <laughs> Dedication. That's hilarious. I love it. <laughs> yeah, that dummy was used in so many other movies, and it's actually, it actually got locked in the trunk, and that car is like buried underwater somewhere right now. <laughs> Hollywood's so funny. They love to do just random things like, oh, we got to hide this. <laughs> in the 80s, we don't have permits. Sink it. <laughs> that actually was also around the time of one of my favorite scenes from the original. So it was... This one stunning shot, because while the rest of the movie was shot well, this is the one that stands out. It was when Tom Savini turns on the car, the headlights open up, and you see Frank in front of the car in the fog as the lights come on. That was such a cool moment for me. And then in the remake, it had a number of good scenes. And while Jessica was my favorite kill, I think the fight sequence we get between Frank and Anna in her apartment 
was definitely my favorite scene from there, just because of the way that cinematography worked. You know, Chris, I'm going to roll with you on the fight scene, but my favorite part was actually before they started fighting, when we're seeing how crazy Frank is in the remake, and Anna's getting to see how crazy Frank is, with like, hey, I think I want to be alone, because she's putting two and two together, and then like his reaction is so strong, and so obvious to us, because we know, but now it's obvious to her. And she's realizing the plight that she's in. It was such an amazing scene for that actress because we don't even get to see Frank at all. But all we get is her reaction and her processing and figuring out, like looking around the room to figure out how she's going to try to survive. And I love that whole segment. That was so brilliantly done. And when he answers the question before she's asked it, and it like took me a minute to realize what was happening. I was like, oh, yeah. But it wasn't even the question that she was going to ask. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I didn't even catch that he had revealed he knew where she lived. And then he answered it. And then I was like, wait, what's happening? And I was like, oh, my gosh, trying to get in front of it. Can I also just add one thing again with his gross ass hands? He did not know what he was doing with that massage. He was just doing all (laughs) kinds of weird gestures on her back. And it was very bizarre. I don't know how she could have enjoyed that. Isn't that what it's like anytime you ask a man for a massage? I don't know. I've never had been massaged by anyone. (laughs) You need to go get a professional massage. Massage therapy is amazing, and I recommend it to everybody. On those hands, when he's scrubbing them. Oh, with the brillo. Yeah, I was like, oh, my God. I know my grandma uses that shit. And I knew, I know her, like, I mean, she's not scrubbing her hands with it, but I know those, like, hurt. Dude, I was wondering the whole time. In the, do they still make them? <laughs> <laughs> they do. In the uh, cover, his face is all beat up. And then in the movie, you see his hands are all beat up. So the whole time I was kind of like wondering why. And then when he started scrubbing with the Brillo pad, oh my God. I could have thrown up, honestly. Yeah. Ugh, yeah. My favorite part, in it, more in the um, original than in the remake, but um, I just love these mannequins because I think they're so creepy. Like, especially, you know, you have this first scene and you just... Um, in the 80s version and you're just like watching it and you're just like what's going on because you don't know you're just seeing all these dolls in the beginning you're like okay everything's creepy in this freaking house efficiency it's not a house i guess um and i i like the sleek kind of look that they have in the uh, remake they're cool like don't know why anna put her face on them but they kind of <laughs> looked really weird when it had like a projected face but i don't know it's cool like just everything that they're in the one scene where she's he's like can you give me a hand and she's like huh he's like behind you and i was like i just love that scene too like it was just it was cool like the plays on that her face is on everyone because she is every woman and every woman he has ever killed and made into a mannequin Mm. It's poetic. You got to <laughs> sing the song if you're going to say that. Yeah, Alexis, you're right. They gave the mannequins a purpose in the remake rather than just being like Frank bringing home a mannequin in the original and his neighbor like, oh, you do do some Christmas shopping there. It's like it's like his thing. It's like his art form. Like it's his, it was his mom's business and all that. So it was just a it, I definitely appreciated that different way that they approached it in the remake. For me, I don't have a favorite scene, but my favorite visual element is in both the scenes around the city and the different settings that we had, like everything felt so real and so lived in. Everything from Frank's room in both, Frank's home, Frank's uh, car, the the van um, in the remake, everything, like the subways, the subway bathrooms, the the park, you know, him murdering in the middle of the 
the where he had closed the gate and then looking around because there's buildings with windows everywhere and like almost none of these movies is based on like is anyone gonna catch me and stuff like that you know and that's exactly what i would expect from someone that thinks they need to take a scalp from someone that they kill i love his little shop i think that's kind of a cool addition i mean obviously like his backstory in in the later version is kind of neat but i i think his little shop is extra creepy which was cool to look at but having like the door to open for Anna as she's like photographing it awkwardly, by the way, um, that was kind of that was kind of interesting to see go down because he's like peering at her through the like metal slats or whatever, and he's like raising it up, and it's like this is your demise. And she's like, "Hey, I was taking pictures of your mannequins. I know it was only open enough for me to see the feet, but I thought I should take some pictures of them. <laughs> yeah. Like, what? What in the world?" That meeting was ridiculous. I'm not going to yuck their yum, you know? She's in a mannequin feet, whatever. Live your life, I guess. She was also holding that camera as if she wasn't a real photographer. Oh, uh, uh, using a flash while photographing glass? <laughs> Come on. <laughs> this is funny. No one uses a flash when they're pointing at any <laughs> reflective surface, please. Somebody does, but they're probably not a very good photographer. That's why they take pictures of mannequins. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> On the subject of photography, I mean, I do have my favorite visual, which we'll get to in a minute. I have to say that the the photography themes in both movies were super prevalent, especially when Frank is lecturing in the first film about being able to photograph someone and keep their essence forever. Like he's preserving them. And, you know, Anna has some qualms with that. She's like, look, I'm the photographer. I know you can't possess someone forever. And she's thinking rationally about the whole thing. But I will say that there's something very weird that I hadn't considered until I was in my early 20s, and that is when you photograph someone and you're in that line of work, you could very well take someone's last photo and not realize it. Uh, So one of my commanding officers suddenly passed away, and I took his last official portrait. So his last official official portrait was like, used for the memorial, used in everything, in the remembrance materials. And I'll tell you, it's really trippy to like, as a photographer, sit back and think, holy shit, this both of these movies have an incredible depth, especially when you look at Anna bringing mannequins to life with her light and Frank bringing those same mannequins to life with his darkness and his murder. And it's just it's so beautifully deep uh, without being too pretentious. So I loved it. But the execution of that fight scene, once again, is just an example of the stunning cinematography. We get so much POV in other horror movies. You get it in Peeping Tom in the 60s. You get it in Halloween in the opening shots. This being shot almost entirely in Frank's POV in the remake, you have to consider, one, how much goes into like shooting this style and still maintain a cinematic feel. And two, recognize how much you gain from Frank's character because of this choice. So I think it's simply put the best move they could have made for this movie because seeing how much he tried Like Lucy, when things are escalating with her, he tried to get away until she pushed him on the bed. And you realize that he's fighting with himself and he doesn't necessarily want to do the things that he's doing, which is wild. For the original, the effects were hands down a great thing for me, but I want to actually start moving us into the worst part. Best part, worst part of either of these movies, because it comes from me in the original. Now, if you guys look in our outline, I have some screenshots prepared because I could not be the only person who saw this. Do not open until prompted. (laughs) So here's the thing. The worst part, for as incredible the cinematography is in the remake, for as stellar as the cinematography can be in some parts of the original, 
look, I get Frank in the original. His sweatiness was too much for me. For But my major issue is something that I haven't been able to figure out after multiple viewings, and that's the positioning of hands in a shot from the first kill. So I've included a series of screenshots for you all to see in our outline here. Now, first off, one, he's wearing gloves. You can see that, right? Second, her clothes change from one shot to another. And then third, you get a final shot of a non-bloody hand that's flexing in the same rhythm of as her quivering body. Also clearly a man's hand. But it's coming from a totally di- different direction than the rest of her body. It's weird and I don't like it. It's truly like if if you if someone was just like, hey, feel freaked out right now and you put your hands in there, you just went, ah, that's what it looks like on camera. Yeah. With your like, hands jiggling in the air. It's from somebody else. It's from somebody yeah. else. It's like, yeah, yeah, it doesn't make any sense. Two left hands or something like that. It's just bizarre. (laughs) Chris, I fully agree with you. And I'm going to bring up something similar. There are a lot of things in the original that just don't make sense. And from one scene to the next, you're just like, how did that happen? And also he just immediately comes home after every kill there's no explanation of like what he does and anyway there's a lot of there's a lot of logistical things that gave me issue and um one of them which was actually intentional but didn't land as what they intended is during the uh strangulation of the hooker in the in the bed sex worker okay the strangulation of the sex worker it was the 80s that is not what they called them she is credited as hooker (laughs) but it was also the 80s okay so she was a great woman and she needed to pay her rent and i respect what she does okay however they did this thing which i don't know if any of you picked up on so i'll be interested to see while he's strangling her she changes into a different person and then changes back to herself and you probably didn't even notice it i only noticed it because the person that she changes into has red lipstick and it doesn't make sense and now i talked to chris about this because i was like I don't understand how they could have possibly just thrown in another actor in the middle of the strangulation scene. What happened is it is meant to be a flashback to his, like his mother. Right. And in the remake, we get those flashbacks all the way through, including a lot of awkward sex on the street with a child watching. But in the, in the original, we didn't have those flashbacks, but randomly here they decided, Hey, let's flashback to another person only for one second. Almost Chris had already seen it a couple of times and didn't even notice this happened. And it's like little stuff like that that didn't land drove me insane in this movie. Mm-hmm. And that's what I'm here to complain about. <laughs> I did realize what was happening, I guess, because like it was so apparent that it was two different people. Okay, good. So like as the faces were changing, I was like, oh, we're flashing to somebody else's his mother. Is it an old girlfriend? Who is this? I don't know. She looks pretty young. I can't tell yet until we get further into the film, of course, like who we're looking at. But how long did it take you to realize who it was? About 4.5 seconds, I think. No, no, no. <laughs> to realize that the person that he was like that he was envisioning or imagining yeah. another person and it was his mother. Yeah, about 4.5 seconds. How? Because he never like it, he never, we yeah, didn't know what she looked like. Because I was able to put two and two together based on every other like, you know, psycho killer okay. movie I've seen. Like I was like, oh, this is like psycho. He's, you know, Mommy issues. Mommy issues. So I realize that's a popular thing. I haven't seen Psycho. And so I think that is a detriment for me. So I get that. I get that. So maybe I'm maybe I'm harping on this too much, but like nothing about his mom comes up until almost the end of the movie. And so I was like, what how was I supposed to know? Like you could have told her, like, told tell us that she loves red lipstick, and then I would have known it was his mom. I don't know. I will say that the actress who plays the mom in that scene does look far too young to look to look and be associated with his mother. So you can guess that and be like 50% chance right, but 
I don't think it looks like a mother figure. I only look. I only realize it because it's the same woman who's credited in the credits as playing the mother. Yeah, I'm willing to die on this on this hill. I like that you picked that scene because I found that there were so many other scenes that you could tear up a little bit, especially when it comes to dating Anna. Like the whole sequence of them starting to date is so utterly ridiculous. Don't worry. I have a list. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But when we make it to the photo shoot and he's like acting like, I don't know, he kind of seems like he thinks he's a bigwig like hanging out at the photo shoot, just like chilling while they do their work. And that was so, so weird for me to to experience. I mean, it's also very different between the two films because he has a very definite confidence in this movie. Yeah. It's also, she's the most out of his league that she could ever be. Yeah. And I won't, I won't keep going, but it doesn't make sense. You're right. He (laughs) mentions being a painter. I'm going to, I want to see those paintings, you know? Yeah. He also showed up at a random person's house and she welcomed him in and she said yeah want some coffee hey i was just developing a picture of you and i'm like you took a random picture in a park yeah and you're not trying to figure out why this man is at your house and then they go on a date and they're sitting at the date and she's like mm-hmm, well you know how i am and i'm like no he literally doesn't know how you are because it's your first date why are you guys so friendly why does any of this make sense <laughs> here's the problem She's living in a horror movie, and she thinks she's living in a rom-com. Yeah. <laughs> yep. It was just, it was out of place. You, you, We could say that was the worst part of the movie, Mac. I'm willing to change my bet for that. <laughs> that That is funny. No, that, that whole relationship, like the building of it, the fact that it happened was very strange indeed. But, you know, I'm, I can't judge her type, and maybe she's got a thing for... People who appreciate her photography, like that's what does and it for bring her. Bring her stuffed animals. Yeah, I don't know. Some people like stuffed animals. Uh, you know, maybe she's a beanie baby kind of person. But <laughs> whatever, whatever floats your boat. That's not how I move across water. But you know, whatever works for you. I do like how they um, brought in like social dating and online dating into um, the 2000s version. Um, I just thought it was pretty cool because the first one you're like, how does he meet like these random or how is he charming to these people and all this sort of stuff. But in that one, you just see like and I think because I've clearly chatted online with people knock on wood, they've all been who they thought they were, but, uh, or I think they are, but I mean, like even to this day where we were, especially to this day where everything's virtual now, but like, it's just, it's still like a fear that I have that I'm like, someone would be like timid man or whoa, timid guy, <laughs> timid man, timid guy run. If he says he's timid or he slight turn on, he was playing her. He was like, Oh, you're too bold for me. I'm like girl, Well, guy, get out of here with that. (laughs) Also, like, looking up the pictures and finding which one to pick. I don't know. I just thought it was really cool that they put that into it. And that's how, you know, he gets normal. Like, I'm I'm not sure. I'd love to see, like, a pre-maniac and post, (laughs) you know, number two, whatever, for this, for the remake. But just to see, like, oh, is this something he actually did a lot of? Or, you know, is this how he found? Because clearly some guy like that is walking down the street all creepy. I am turning the opposite way. <laughs> or whooping his ass. One of the two. Probably the latter. Yeah. I could probably whoop his ass. I feel like if you want to see more, you should just watch you. Oh, I, I had you vibes the yeah. whole time. Okay. It's because a beautiful, artistic, creative blonde woman is dating some really sketchy, small brunette guy. Scrawny man. Yep. Um, Alexis, did you feel like you wish you understood like... You kind of just said this, but in both of these, I had this feeling like, I wish I understood if they've been doing this or just started doing this. Like, did you get that vibe? Like, 
have they been losing it or are they just now losing it? Yes. That's why I was kind of like, is this a thing that he goes and then he spirals out of control? Yeah. And then, you know, you know, is it is it a bipolar thing? You're up and you're down. Like, I didn't know. I wish I did. But sometimes I appreciate a movie for just putting me in the middle and it's having true. me think like that. It didn't, definitely, definitely wasn't like a turnoff for this movie. I have another thing for the remake. And that is, uh, we've, Mac, you've already talked about the first person point of view a lot. It's really intense. I think it's the worst part of the the remake, but truly the first person vomit and then first person, I guess they didn't actually have sex, but when he met Lucy and is like feeling her boobs for like a really long amount of time and we're experiencing it, it was too much. It was, I was uncomfortable and I like boobs. Okay. <laughs> I was uncomfortable because she was so yep. straightforward. I was like, gosh, man, yeah. like to yeah, be fair good for you, Lucy, we're sex positive around here, but oof. there's a, there's a lot of people that are like that. Usually they're 17 year old girls though. Yeah. That dialogue was very 17-year-old girl. Yeah, I was going to say, I haven't, well, one, I've never said some shit like that, but <laughs> also I don't think I was that naked and that like vulnerable to people when I was 17. I was watching it and I was like, <laughs> if I maybe reach my fitness goals one day, I'll just walk out of a room in, in lingerie and just be like, hey, like- no when has anyone ever i mean i know that people do people definitely do that okay i know i know <laughs> is shaking his head i know but i'm in with the feeling that was going on in that room was not come out of in your lingerie right now she made that decision that was not it wasn't the vibe no i'd even get that vibe online i got flirting but i never got hey let's go fuck at this hotel or <laughs> yeah. like wherever they were at but clearly she was down but their whole sex scene it's not really a sex scene but their whole sex scene and then him throwing up in the toilet in first person point of view was just almost unbearable. That was something that contributed to like my overwhelmingness in during watching these movies. Like I was just like, I can't handle this. And I knew the vomit was coming and I looked away and I still couldn't deal with it. Like it was just, I didn't need that. I didn't need that realism. I respect that they had him vomit in the toilet. Unlike the first film in which he vomits into the sink. Yeah. That made me so upset. I was like, you're right next to it. Also, the noises in the first one didn't make any sense. Mm. So three things about that scene, Ryan. One, that vomit looked like poop. Yep. Two, he was leaving DNA everywhere. Yep. Three, I want to see a prequel where Lucy is actually a predator and lured him there with the thoughts of killing him, not realizing that he was also a serial killer. Ooh, like an alternate universe. (laughs) Like an alternate you-niverse. I did. That's exactly what I thought, Chris. I was like, Man, this is actually how he got caught. Like, (laughs) literally leaves throw up on the the sink. I'm like, oh. Yeah. There was still puke on that fucking floor. Yeah. Uh, Oh, yeah. It just casually took some some toilet paper and just like wipe the seat and i was like yeah that's what you, you do at a party you like missed a, a house party. <laughs> you missed a lot of it yeah dude. <laughs> why why even try so looking at the remake look i slashed it i do have some minor complaints one i'm disappointed that anna ended up dying um in the original she survived the worst part for me about the remake though was the moment that led to jessica's death even though her kill was my favorite and that was her failure to just climb offense her legs were so long she was so tall she was also wearing heels right sure but it wasn't as though there were particularly pointy bits that guaranteed she'd be impaled if she tried that fence was barely taller than her and then there were horizontal bars that she could have used to hoist herself up and clearly she's super athletic and flexible that bothered the hell out of me 
It's so funny because I complained about to Chris about the first movie where the girl runs into the bathroom in the subway. And I'm like, this is the dumbest thing. I hate when girls are like, (laughs) oh, something seems wrong. I'm going to do something stupid. And she also got like completely hysterical and like everything was just stupid in that scene. And I freaking hated that scene. Haven't even complained about that. But then for this to be the thing that really sets you off, Chris, doesn't even make sense. She made so many good decisions. She tried to go the right places. She's screaming the entire time. Yeah, she's like she flailing around. Yeah. She's trying. She's she's mm-hmm. doing so good to get away. And she, she panics. She's panicking and lets one option slip from her. But it took her a while to even know that the you know gates were closed. And this is what you hold against her. After she ran in those heels. It's inconsistent with her character. She did run. She, like, she was panicked. Yes, she ran into something. It took her a while to figure out the gate was closed. Yes, but also instead of, instead of just trying to go over the fence that she realizes locked, and she's like running back and forth for a little while. He has enough time to hide and like unsheath his weapon. She then tries to go back the direction that he is in, and that frustrated me. Like, it's just, I feel like the normal inclination would be. Let me just climb over this thing. If I turn back and I don't see him there, let me climb over this thing because I cannot double back now. This movie just made me think I should never wear pre heels that I can't run. Exactly. Ever. Exactly. Because she was booking it and I was like, girl, I'm proud of you. Until that ankle hit the ground. (laughs) Separated. And that was the saddest thing because I was like, I feel like I've been one false move from like <laughs> I've, been, I've been one shot away <laughs> one move away from that with, with no knife involved obviously yeah. i will say though that like you're right she did make so many good decisions along that way and you know that her chasing is the equivalent to what we would have gotten with the nurse in the 1980 version in both movies their performances were were exactly what they needed to be for what the stories were right so like in the original the performances were acceptable they weren't particularly special the best for me was that nurse up until to the point where she runs into the dead end bathroom. That was a little weird. I picked up on Frank's connection with his mother, but I don't. I do think that you would have trouble piecing that together if you hadn't seen Psycho and known to guess that. But the performances in the remake I thought were stellar. So I felt like every character made you feel something, especially Jessica. You know, with that tension, some of them made you feel endearment, compassion, frustration, uh, even frustration because they were a total douchebag. Like the guy in the beginning. Uh, who's just hitting on this girl saying we got weed and and drinks in our limo it's like your your options should not be get killed by a serial killer or go into a limo with a douchebag those should not be your options for survival here (laughs) i gotta give both films credit for having some great performances i think they really delivered the actors did a fantastic job giving us either really horrible characters or characters that we could try to feel something for or characters that we could yell at and tell to get out of the room and i think in either film that that rings true. I don't think there was like especially horrible performances. There's probably a bunch of like mediocre like actors spread throughout each film that you just don't even pay attention to. But in terms of anyone that we're looking at for any period of time, um, I was I was satisfied with with how well they did. And I got to say, both films, Frank, super creepy, well done. And these actors have been in other things where they weren't incredibly scary, creepy guys. So obviously they're doing something. So they're not just being themselves. So I was I was pretty impressed with it. Definitely impressed with that performance from both. And it's crazy because they're like complete opposite, you know, 
big bristly guy, sweaty. Ugh, I don't even want to talk about it anymore. I don't even know why I keep bringing it up, but I do agree. I don't think no, nothing stood out to me as super bad. You know, a little bit of the screams were annoying in the eighties one, um, and a little bit of the breathing, but like that wasn't a character's fault. That was just yeah. act scared. Uh, <laughs> but no, I like it. I think you feel for these women. Um, at least I did, and I was like, oh my gosh, like what an unfortunate position to be in and vulnerable and stuff like that. So I definitely felt for that. I did like the um, performance, though, from the agent in uh, the 2000 version. I I I say I like her. I like it because she came off as a bitch, kind (laughs) of, like in the beginning. And I think because I was really kind of feeling for Frank a little bit at some point. And I was like, he's really got all this drama like going on. Also, trauma. people really drama. do say stuff like that and are just like oblivious to how trash it is. Like, what do you do? Just like dive in the dumpster for them? Like, it seems like a dramatic thing to say, but like humans actually say stuff like that when they don't understand things and they suck. Yeah. Those are real people. And then she totally disregarded him once he was starting to swing. He's like, oh, so-and-so. And I was like... She's the one I thought possibly deserved, but not <laughs> completely. <laughs> yeah, like no one deserves to be hogtied and scalped, but if anybody did, it'd be her. And favor kill. <laughs> yeah, I have to agree with everything we've said. I think both of these eras are, of movies tend to, for me, have an ability to have some pretty trash characters. Like characters in movies in the 80s can be really like annoying, fake, like hard to relate to. And in the 2010s-ish, like, you can get some, we've seen some bad stuff from those times, you know? And I think these characters, none of them are perfect, probably, but there's a lot of good stuff here. So I have one kind of topic on my mind, and I know um, it was kind of, like, right before our spoiler break, but um, I would love if this ending had, especially, well, I guess when I'm looking back at it, it'd be the... um, 1981 version but like i would really like if there was some sort of you know he's getting ripped apart which i think is like some crazy crap like i i love it though it i think you see like him finally like spiraling because i'm sure like serial killers hit a point where they're just like damn i just did a lot of killing and i think i'm done but my body won't let me so i'm gonna go crazy (laughs) (laughs) that sounds about right great theory (laughs) about life too right um But yeah, so I felt like I really would have loved if the police officers came and then saw him and he had like, like if they had did the actions from the mannequins coming to life. So this would all have to be like segued in between the two. But the whatever was done to him by the mannequins was he him actually doing it to himself. And then he kills himself at the end. I thought that would have been great. And he kind of did that, I guess, in the remake. Yeah, a little bit. So you would have liked to see it in the original, like the like. I would like that to be the ending. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That would be good. It's interesting because in the remake, he gets stabbed by a mannequin hand by Anna, and then gets hit by a car. So you can assume that he bleeds out once he finally makes it back. In the original, he was supposed to have killed himself. Did not succeed because he opens his eyes. But I love that idea, Alexis. That would have been really cool to see the self mutilation. As we're seeing it through his eyes of like all the all the mannequins doing that, that would have been nuts. Yeah, especially in the um, the remake because you get this like kind of like compassion for him because you see all the trauma. I don't think you got as much of that in the um, in the original. So yeah, 
I do love the part where they peeled back his face and he was a mannequin there. That was pretty awesome. That, that was sick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think it would have been cool if they could have added in like his mom, who's obviously like influencing his actions throughout the film, like her showing up at the end, whether ah. it's, you know, standing over him or punishing him or whatever it is. Hmm. Yeah. I like that idea too. I think I really enjoyed like you're so right alexis i feel like you don't have the compassion in the original you have more of the escalation of like insanity though i feel like you can like especially with how much he like talks to himself and everything in the original you can see him just kind of like losing it losing it like losing control of everything and then like all these mannequins are attacking him and stuff like that and he ends up stabbing himself um the thing in the ending that that really messed me up and i think Chris kind of mentioned sometimes the ending is really a definer of the movie and like the whole graveyard scene truly like I could not have enjoyed anything less. And I understand that it was like, again, a part of his insanity. But like when a hand came out of the ground, I was like, really? This is a Night of the Living Dead. <laughs> this like, is a serial um, killer movie. Yeah. Where were these knocks when we watch Phantasm? Yeah. Well, that was like a sci-fi movie that had its right place. This was not, well, I guess this wasn't really ground. Yeah, that was a dream. This is a hallucination. Okay. Right. <laughs> no, no. It's like, I totally understand. If you want to tell me he's strangling a woman and imagining it's his mother, okay? I'm on board. Cool. When they, first off, the graveyard in the 80s, <laughs> in, no. in the 80s in this movie is just so corny like it's like the hocus pocus yeah. versus thrillers <laughs> oh my god that's exactly what it is so it was already kind of like questionable after their relationship the whole date whatever situation was very questionable and then for that to happen where he like she reaches out and like and then oh god it just it just really rubbed me the wrong way and it it took away the reality of his insanity to me like it made me feel less concerned for him or or less into it i guess i, I don't know it just i did not like that scene <laughs> i think what we see in a lot of modern movies to where the hallucinations are more tolerable is they do the whole like stare off into the distance and hallucinate thing where it's obvious when they snap back because they're still staring off in the distance whereas in this film like he's actively involved when he's like seeing these things, like he's like freaking out because his zombie mother is like exploding through the ground or whatever. And then, oops, she's not actually there. Right. And it's like, obviously we knew she wasn't there, but I feel like if he was just like looking down and staring and staring, and then like, she starts to like crawl through and then he starts to lose it and he snaps back to him just staring. You'd yeah. be like, okay, he's just hallucinating. Cause that's what he does. Cause that's what we see in every other modern movie. But see in the remake, it just like, like that end scene is so chaotic because you see flashes back and forth between the girls and the mannequins. And so you, you get that feeling and I just don't understand why his mom coming out of the grave even makes any sense to the story at all. Like it just, it, I, it just is a, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I'm, I think I'm a little hypercritical sometimes, but <laughs> <laughs> maybe everyone thinks that, um, it, it just, it just didn't add to it and it took away a lot for me. Maybe it was just like, Hey, we got Tom Savini. We got to have like a zombie scene. Uh, kind of seemed like it <laughs> because that shotgun scene, I can't get over it. It was so good. And that was, that was the thing that shocked me. I don't know if I made that clear earlier, but from the first film, that was the one like surprising scene that I absolutely loved was Tom Savini apparently shooting his own head with a shotgun. 
this is a kind of a kind of off brand for you. It's not what I expected to be the shocking thing that you enjoyed. It was shocking because like I didn't expect that it was going to happen whatsoever. And then when I saw his face, I was like, something is going down and I don't know what it is yet because something always goes down when he's involved. And uh, it was pretty awesome. Like it was so unlike all of the other kills. Maybe that's why I'm okay with it because it's not Frank strangling women. So is it safe to assume you'd never watch these movies again, Mac? <sighs> you know, probably, probably pretty safe to assume that I would never rewatch either of these films again. Um, and probably pretty safe to assume that I wouldn't advise my close friends and family to watch them either. I, like, again, if you're into it and you like them and this is your thing, like, go for it. I'm just not going to rewatch it or be around when other people watch it. I'm going to maybe surprise people, but I would I would rewatch these movies. Not not together ever again. Maybe not even <laughs> in the same like six month period. I think you need some time between Maniac. But like, I know my dad is into old scary movies and I feel like I'd watch, I'd watch the old maniac. Not, you know, I'm not going to go out of my way. It's not my favorite thing, but I'd watch it. And I'd, I'd, if I wanted to see a more modern, pretty good scary movie based around a serial killer, I'd rewatch the new one. Can I give you like a pro gamer move? Sure. Watch Lars and and the real girl. Oh, that's creepy. As a horror movie and then watch this movie. Yes. (laughs) I never even heard of it. It's not a horror movie. It's not at all. It's with How uh, does it really Ryan Gosling. Oh. He has like a dummy girlfriend. Yeah, he's got a real doll. Oh, gosh. Okay, for that, you can watch that other 80s or 90s movie about a mannequin that actually comes to life. Then you can watch this movie. <laughs> Weird science. <laughs> I'm good on the mannequin. They make her out of a computer. She's not a mannequin. <laughs> and she's gorgeous. I love that movie. Okay, Weird science Matt. is amazing. He's an android. <laughs> beep, boop, bleep, beep. Um, actually, I might w- watch the 2000s version again for sure. Yeah. I'm, I'm pretty sure. I don't know when or in what circumstance because this definitely would be like, hey, let's uh, watch this kind of movie. But uh, hey, you I, like scalpings? Let's pop it in. It's not like a like I would totally suggest anyone watch you know Tucker and Dale versus Evil, but in this one, it, I'd really have to like know my audience for this one. Definitely, you can't just be watching this around random people. Oh, they'll think you're crazy. Like, have you ever had <laughs> friends and you're like, oh, I have to watch a movie for the podcast, and they're around and you watch something and they're like, what? And I'm like, well, it's just what I do. This is not one you want to get caught watching casually. Like, are you watching people get scalped? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> so we've said a lot about these movies so far. We've had some high points. We've had some low points. We need to do, as we do with every old versus new episode, and do the head-to-head comparison. Now, for Maniac, which one had the better visuals? The 1980 version or the 2012 version? 2012. Agreed. Ooh, for me, it's the 80s. I love the griminess. See, I agree with you on the griminess, and my heart is there because I love that film grain, but I'm struggling because I love the cinematography, the 2012. So I'm going to have to give it to the 2012 this time, but which one do you feel had the better approach to story? So overall, I would go with the remake because I felt like the story was more full and it, it made more sense overall. I can see that. You swayed me. Let's go for the, the 2012 as well. 2012. And there you go. A unanimous 2012. Now, what about better performances? Yeah, that's tough because we actually get to see a full performance in the flesh in the 1980. And maybe that's nitpicking because I wasn't a fan of the dubbing, but I'm going to go 1980. I go, I go remake. Yeah, 2012. Mm, Mac, do I leave you alone or do I join you? <laughs> Live your truth. Man, it's difficult. <sighs> I'm going to go remake only because of how insane it must have been for Elijah Wood to not only do the audio dubbing he had to do, 
but also help support the camera work for the remake. I feel like the amount of presence he had to have for that was just insane. But Ryan, I believe you did have a question for us. Yeah, so we talked about characters overall and story, but as far as Frank, what's our what's our favorite Frank? I'm going 2012 as well for this one. You literally just said how much you hated it. I know I did. That being said, for favorite Frank, I prefer his Frank. Okay. I think Elijah would like I think we have a Frank that is scary because he seems kind of weak and unsure at times mm-hmm. and then it explodes versus like the always confident Frank. I like that one better. So I'm going for the 80s version. I'm going to go Elijah Wood in the remake because I love the unassuming, the I know there is something wrong with me. I am trying to be better, but I am still, with all the victims I have, I am also a victim to myself and I can't seem to defeat it. For some reason, I felt some very minute amount of compassion for him in some small moments. I sound like I'm condoning serial killers, and I don't. Yeah, I mean, there was compassion building in this movie, but I'm not sure that you should feel it for him. I don't think he deserves. Um, For me, it is actually the 80s. Frank is actually like what kind of saved the original movie for me. Interesting. I just found him too sweaty. But I will say that his psychotic range as an actor has a better turn radius than my old Jeep. Because he went from like zero to 100 like that. (laughs) Are you saying he turned like a smart car? I'm saying he's turned better than a smart car, quite frankly. Well, there you have it, folks. Uh, The remake has kind of won out here in terms of majority rules. But there are some things that we tied on. All right. So we're going to have to hear from you. The original Maniac earned one slash and three hacks, but the remake scored more favorably with three slashes and one hack. While we've certainly had a robust discussion here, it doesn't end here. We need you to weigh on on which Frank was superior. We need you to weigh in on whether it's dumb to run into a bathroom to try to hide in a subway. We want to know what you think. So keep in mind there are a number of ways you can reach out to us, starting with our website, hackerslash.com. And on our social media accounts on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And if you know better than to run into a subway bathroom, maybe at any time of day, but especially when someone's chasing you, please hit us up at the hacker slash hotline. Our number is 757-606-0128. You can text us, call us, leave us a voicemail, or a really creepy audio message. We're down for all of it. Or if you collect and refurbish mannequins, you can send us an email to feedback at hacker slash.com. If you've enjoyed listening to this episode, consider becoming one of our patrons. Visit patreon.com slash hacker slash and you can get exciting perks for as little as $1 per month. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.